Okay, hi, welcome to Tabletop Transmissions, the show about tabletop gaming and being queer. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Liz, and joining me, like always, are my co-hosts. Hi, it's Cassie. And hello, it's Fran. Howdy, gang. So, sorry, so first of all, uh, sorry for missing last week. Um... Kind of, I'm going to give you the short version of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so my partner and I, we decided we wanted to buy a camper because we both love camping, but there is, I, I cannot sleep in the ground or a hammock anymore. Mm-hmm. My, my shoulder is just too messed up. So we bought a trailer and we went to go pick it up uh, from uh, Michigan. We were driving home. Had a bit of a problem. Uh, ran into some wiring issue, but the big problem was I clipped a toll booth and uh, broke our awning. So that delayed us about six hours <laughs> getting home. Yeah, you got home what, like four in the morning or something? Yeah, like because That's I had great. to. Oh, I had to go. So we were in, we were in two cars, and I had to go to my parents' house in West Virginia. Oh, jeez. Because we couldn't we couldn't store the trailer at the lot where we have rented space at mm. because we had, it was locked up by that point. We couldn't get in because mm. uh, they have like a dawn to dusk thing. Um, so couldn't do that, and so. I told I told Jess because she had to work the next day. I told her go home, go to bed. I'm gonna drop the trailer off, and uh, I'll be home. So did that. Had to drop it off to my my parents' farm. Uh, it was <laughs> it was it was it was a whole thing, and then mm-hmm. spent the week trying to, <laughs> to find a place to repair it. Which she did. Which, Which we did. did. We did so that I mean mm-hmm. so everything everything has turned out pretty well. Uh, so I guess positive note. Uh, just remember, folks, if you're towing a trailer, uh, account for the uh, the little inch of width of your awning. Because mm-hmm. yikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and to be fair, <clears throat> I was also having a really weird week and was having a lot of trouble getting to recording on time and then we were going to try to record during the week and everybody's lives exploded. And so, um, the other, uh, the other, uh, more of of all of this is self care is more important than your podcast. It is. Absolutely. Yep. And remember we're professionals, so trust us. So, um, before we kind of move into what we've been up to, I mean, we guess we've talked a little bit about what we've been up to. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, or at least what I've been up to, but, uh, tonight we're going to be talking, we spent our last episode, uh, or our last regular episode talking about dice. So tonight we're going to be talking about diceless games. Um, yes, we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So exciting stuff. Uh, so what have y'all been up to? Well, yesterday, and this, brace yourself, yesterday, Fran and I actually gamed together. Mm-hmm. For the first time since May, the yeah. game that we're in together uh, met. Um, just to give you some history, Fran and I have been in plenty of games together, but I've wound up dropping out of a few because of um, time issues. Mm-hmm. But we, we, uh, we have a friend who is running the 5th edition Curse of Strahd, game yep. uh, along with numerous editions of his own i'm sure and um unfortunately that friend has two very small children so we don't always play as often as we plan but um yeah so we were i was at friend's house amazingly mm-hmm. and uh playing curse of strahd it's great i feel like it sounds like a good time i uh mm-hmm. i really I have it. I have a copy of Curse of Strahd if I can get it back. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, that was one of the the one the one that really wanted to run. Mm. But I'm I'm mm-hmm. def- I'm excited to run uh, Salt Marsh next weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, our friend is just sort of um, Ravenloft obsessed. 
Oh, uh, no, Ray, Ravenloft is, is good. Is it mm-hmm. safe to say that, Brent? I would say so, yeah, just a smidge. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it, you know, it. He, he has been running Ravenloft games for oh, about 28 years on and off. So. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> yep. Including the original module, which, oh my god, I mean, it's really, really <laughs> cool, but it's really, really painful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember I, I've got, I bought a copy on uh, um, DM's Guild, so I was reading through it, and I was like, <laughs> I, I was, that, that first entrance with the yeah. fireballs and the gargoyles. Well, it's, it's mm-hmm. painful to run, too. I mean, I, I ran it once. And the maps, I swear to you, they don't all line up yeah. in the original published in the original uh, printing. I think I think Margaret Weiss has said, yeah, they don't line up quite right. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Fran, what have you been up to other than uh, playing with Kathy? Uh, well, um, I've been dealing with um, health problems in the family and some other exciting stuff. So that's eaten up a lot of my time. Um, And the other thing that I'm working on is a side project of a side project. Um, Basically as, as people may have known may have heard by my book, um, I am the co-author of a series of books set in the scarred lands universe, um, which is a a D 20 fantasy world. And um, <clears throat> we were in the course of trying to write up a, uh, a history doc for the Scarred Lands to, to rough out where the, the major moments in, in uh, Scarred Lands history were. Mm-hmm. And we realized that a lot of the dates actually um, either didn't make sense or conflicted with one another. So I ended up in the course of writing that doc to support the book that we are currently working on going off and saying, well, what are all of the established um, uh, documented dates that are in the Scarred Lands books? And so I've been going through all of the books in sequence, pulling out anything with an old calendar or after victory uh, calendar date on it. And I've got three hundred or so, <clears throat> and then uh, various other associated things that I think might be helpful for other people to know. Um, so yeah, that's been uh, that's been what's been gnawing on my well, noodle. The the cool bit is that this uh, is that um, the people at Onyx Path are like, yeah, cool, mm. do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to use your work. I. Th- well, That's the... it, <clears throat> not we're going to use your work, but we could really use your work. Yeah. So it's that uh, <clears throat> it's that basically we've got enough ties that um, folks that are developing content are sitting here going that that exists because we would really like that. And uh, we will we will put that to work. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm sharing it with uh, with various folks and I'm hoping it turns out productive. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think it will. I think that sounds awesome. Uh, I am I am really excited that there's going to be new Scarland stuff. Yeah. I remember I remember buying I think the first Scarland's book in uh, Borders. Mhm. I believe it. Yeah. Hey, y'all remember Borders? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh well, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a younger Doctor Who fan about buying Target books and remember buying them in B. Dalton's. Hey, y'all remember B. Dalton's? <laughs> no. A bit. If I'm, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess I guess what I've been up to, uh, I mean, other than the trailer stuff, apparently I've made Gamergate mad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Not necessarily hard, but I've never managed it, so I'm impressed. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've had some encounters with Comicsgate, but Gamergate I have managed to mostly steer clear from. But let's talk about what's going on in the world of – I don't want to use the idiot the, the I word. I don't want to say idiots, but let's talk about what's going on in the world of man babies. I, I like that. That works. <laughs> um, so – 
Um, I commented on a post by by Renfamous because uh, she had, she had said something about Zoe Quinn getting harassed again, and I I, I mean I'm sure I'm sure Zoe never like I'm sure none of that really stopped, but I was I was under the impression that it had lightened up a little bit. And I wasn't sure why she was getting harassed again, so I just commented, um, "Hey, wait, what? Why is Zoe Quinn getting harassed again?" And uh, just a ton of chuds mm-hmm. started showing up in my mentions. They're like, "Oh, because she's exploiting someone's suicide." And so the short story is, um, she she outed a harasser or a sexual abuser, mm-hmm. and. Um, he so content warning for for suicide. I, I won't dwell on it, but um, kind of the ending is he he got outed and then three days later apparently killed himself. Oh jeez. Um. So, I mean, it's not it's not a good situation anyway. You look at it, but Zoe Quinn does not deserve this kind of hatred and just just getting a, a small taste of it like periphery if i can say words right um Mm -hmm. is not a pleasant experience and i i really hope she's doing okay yeah yeah so we're not going to go and i'm just going to say for those listeners who aren't that familiar with it we're not going to go into the gamergate history because we could do an entire episode on that (laughs) but let's just gamergate is essentially um chuds i think that's a good word too um Mm -hmm. who are you know i mean they probably deny it but are ultimately unhappy that girls invaded their clubhouse Mm -hmm. i think that's i mean and comics gate is again a similar it's an offshoot of that Mm -hmm. Uh, like i i've had more brushes with comics gate than gamergate because um you know of following people like gail simone and mag sasagio yeah um, but yeah, they're all the same brand of Chud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, poor Zoe. Do y'all remember when they tried to start our tabletop, like, or no, it was D&D Gate, and mm-hmm. people just ran with that hashtag and created s- stories about gates in D&D? <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed that. That was it. It was like it was it was really a half-hearted attempt, and then people just ran with that other bit. Mm -hmm. It was it was a good time. Yeah, well, you know, it's it it it, it's all about um, responsible journalism and gates. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry, that joke is way too close. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, all right, so we're talking tonight though about diceless games. Yes. So, uh, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you all start uh, because I only really have experience with one diceless game. Uh huh. Um, shockingly, it's a Pelgrane game. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But uh, yeah, I kind of I I I figured you all would probably have played more diceless stuff than I have, so I wanted to I kind of wanted to hear your take on them, like just okay. kind of like what what are some diceless games you all have tried. Okay, so um, I want to preface everything we say with the fact that the diceless game that we have played the most is not published, mm-hmm. um, so it's going to be really difficult to extrapolate this out to um, to other things. I will say that I do own a diceless game that I bought a couple of decades ago and never ever ever played. Uh, I own mm-hmm. the Amber, uh, which I think was. I can't remember who wrote Amber, mm-hmm. um, uh, but we never played it. And um, I remember reading it and thinking, oh, this is really cool. And then realizing that you can play an Amber game. Mm-hmm. With uh, Amber being the Chronicles of Amber by Roger Zelazny. Um, the first series, mwah, yep. excellent. Excellent series of books. The second series, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, I just looked. I'm sorry. I just looked up who wrote the uh, the role playing game. Yeah. It was Eric uh, Wojcik. Yes, Eric Wojcik, who did um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. 
Hmm. Oh, yeah, well, he did, didn't mm-hmm. he? Um, the, the, the old, old, old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game from the 80s. Yeah, the one that they had to, uh, uh, slap a sticker on a table because of, uh, content. Yeah, yeah, but, um, so, I mean, I owned it, I haven't read it in a billion years, but, um, I remember Mm. being very interesting. But, so, we never wound up playing that. We played, um, a diceless game that some friends of ours had sort of developed over a number of years called uh pq or phoenix quest uh i'm not sure how much we're going to be able to extrapolate out experiences because we don't want to it would take an entire um couple of episodes to really explain mm-hmm. well, let me let me ask you let me ask you this then so how does it feel playing is it did you get a different feeling playing um, diceless games than games with dice? Like, did you feel like the focus was shifted? Uh, it's an absolutely different feeling um, because, well, okay, I I know I've gone a lot to say I I, I come back again and again to it depends on who's at the table, mm-hmm. but it really does because different people running different versions of this game with generally speaking the same mechanics go completely differently like we have some people who are uh we have we have one guy who he has a story you fit into the story Mm -hmm. i mean the story can change a bit but things are going on and it's uh, you fit in the story the joke that we that we have about that is when a new character joined um the game um an older character and was completely confused because they were ripped (laughs) from their home environment Mm -hmm. an older character said you're not where you were and people are trying to kill you this This will will be your life from now on (laughs) yeah um and then we have people like that yeah Mm -hmm. and then we have people running it who are very much um very much a um you know the players make the story and yeah. basically the big thing about diceless as opposed to dice is um with with dice of course there's a there's a definite mechanic to um to randomize things with diceless it's all about um the character mechanics and what the dm the gm thinks yeah, Works. you go from the you go from the tyranny of the rules and the dice to the tyranny of whoever is running the game. <laughs> to a certain extent, to a certain extent. And the other thing is that even more so than diced role playing games, I feel like diceless role playing games are yes and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if that you know what that is, Liz. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Do do we need to explain it for for our listeners? Let's. Yeah, I think we should because I think that's that's a really I think. I think it's a really important tenet of the way, at least the way I know I role play. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's an improv game. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you start with a, 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 a point, a theory, a, um, uh, like, or a thing that a guy's doing, like I am going to the grocery store and someone says, yes. And, and add something else. And yes. And I'm going to the grocery store. Yes. And, um the doors don't open yes and i'm not explaining it well fran no i (laughs) mean uh uh well liz do you want to go or yeah i think i think um maybe instead of looking at yes and let me explain real quick about no but because i think that's an easier one to kind of grasp so a lot of times in um uh, dice-based role-playing game. Um, you uh, and I'm, I'm actually thinking a lot about mutants and masterminds right now, and it, it uses mm-hmm. um, like you can you can succeed or fail by degrees. Mm-hmm. So let's say you failed, um, but you didn't fail horribly. Like you you failed trying to. Um, trying to hack into a door. It's like, you didn't feel horribly. It's like, okay. 
you failed to hack into the door, but um, you think you have found another way around um, to get into the side of the from the different side of the building. So it helps move the story. So in in both cases, yes and and no but, they're tools to move the story along. Mm-hmm. Like so, things don't become stagnant. Mm-hmm. And no but is also a big thing in Dice's world. So yes and is mm-hmm. an additive, and no but is instead of. Like so, like okay, like the same yeah. example I just used. Like yes and. Yes, you hacked the door, but maybe you didn't succeed quite as well as you would have liked. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you hacked the door and you tripped an alarm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got about 10 minutes before bad guys show up. So and, and yeah, I mean, obviously, that's something in all kinds of role playing games. It's just that with no dice giving you a randomized element. Everything is left up to the players and the, the GM's imagination. Everything is left up to the players and the GM's imagination. So things mm-hmm. like yes and and no but become even more important. Now, yeah. admittedly, the there there is a you know I mean this isn't just a make it up as you go along completely. There is a basis in most diceless games for how you deal with that. There are mechanics, but mm-hmm. all, almost all of those mechanics tend to be character based. Yeah. involving skills or attributes so instead of rolling a die a dm can say well what's your um i'm trying to think of a uh a, a weird pq one uh shoot fran give me just do um, something. yeah i'm working on it um <clears throat> maybe uh well one of my characters um came uh, basically was uh uh, came from a cyberpunk world and brought his uh, his uh, nano machines with him in his bloodstream, and so he would pull them out sometimes and be like, "All right, so I'm gonna use the uh, this the nano machines I have to try to analyze this weird crap that we just found. This weird, you know, completely translucent, impossibly dense, impossibly hard blue stone." All right, well, you apply the nanomachines to the blue stone, and uh, they completely vanish. Huh. Okay, um, do I still get signal from them? Well, yeah, but it's coming back really strangely. So, you know, you, you, you have to kind of try doing things and then see what the result is, and then try doing something else, see what right. the result is from that. Well, what so, I... What I meant was more like, um, I'm just going to say strength. So you're mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to lift a heavy rock. Instead of rolling something, the DM thinks to himself or herself, how heavy is the rock? What's their strength? Um, yeah, they can probably do it. It's not cut and dried, quantified with a, with a roll, like, say, in first edition D&D with open bars, lift gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, open doors lift gates where you have to roll a certain number or it just doesn't happen it's on it's it's on the ultimate sliding scale of uh, maybe so um, let me let me ask you this before we get too further yeah so with diceless so there's there's a phrase that i hear a lot um specifically when it comes to things like D that games that have classes yeah is niche protection uh, for those of you who don't know, niche protection means just that own special little thing that you do. Do you find mm-hmm. that in games that are diceless, you get more niche protection? Because well, I mean, that's a good question. In in PQ, absolutely, because of the nature of the game, um, which, again, it will take a long time to discuss. I think, well, I don't think niche protection always works in D&D. I think it's it can actually hamper a game. We have a friend who is very very much into that into niche protection and when they overlap to any extent with another mm-hmm. uh, player's character, the friend gets very upset. Mm. Uh, 
I think it does happen in Diceless, if only because uh, specifically in the Diceless games that we're thinking of, um, there's a lot less... Um, you're not necessarily playing an archetype like you are in um, a class-based system, like D&D or Cyberpunk or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, in Cyberpunk, you know, you're, you're playing a Netrunner, and there are billions and billions of different kinds of ways to play a Netrunner, but you're still a Netrunner. Mm-hmm. In, in PQ, we have someone playing a Netrunner and someone playing an Elven Queen <laughs> who mm-hmm. came from... I mean, but that's the nature of that game. The nature of that game is it involves a multiverse. Um, hmm. And in Amber, of course, it's a little more prescribed because of the books. You are, you're playing an archetype in Amber, but the archetypes don't overlap because of the books. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of diceless games beyond that. Um, beyond, you know, just shooting the crap. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the, the the diceless game that I I have played the most of, which I, admittedly is not much. <laughs> um, so I mean I'm not maybe we should have picked a different topic, but I I like <laughs> to be honest. But uh, it's it's called um, well the the specific game is called Hillfolk from Pelgrane Press. Okay, and it uses a system called Drama System. So, like, if you think of it this way, most games are simulating procedurals. Like, it's how you do something. Right. Mm-hmm. This game is simulating dramas. It's why you've done something. What kind of emotional um, payoff do you do you want from, like, this specific character? Things like that. That, that sounds fantastic it's really interesting mm, mm-hmm. um, um i wish they had done more they, they've kind of just stopped supporting it and i get why it's a very niche game like they did a kickstarter and uh i, I think that that's about it i think people mm. <coughs> yeah really cool about the system so the base game you play as an iron age tribe and mm. the the kind of struggle that life is. Mm-hmm. But what's cool is you can strip all of that out of it. Hmm. And it even tells you, it's like, like it gives you alternate campaigns. Like, um, uh, like there's one that I'm a big fan of. That's like a hospital that is like comprised of like human doctors, AI doctors, hmm. uh, and it's like like the first hospital to do like cybernetic implants. Wow! In people. And I, I, like, want more, I want to hear more about this drama uh, simulation. Um. So it's it's a lot of the dice are a lot of it isn't even like dice rolling. Um. A lot of like diceless games, I feel like they have like a token mechanic, like you. You only you have so much of a re, of this resource to yep. do what you want to do to get that spotlight time. PQ mm-hmm. has something similar, yes. Um, and this game has that too uh, in drama points that lets you do certain things like um, add yourself into a scene or you're not there or, or or give you special benefits to describe things. But a lot of it is down to. Um, the players playing the scene and what they think is going to be most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are procedural rules. Um, like, so each player starts with, and I'm doing a very basic job of explaining this. Like maybe we'll do like a, a deep dive on like, if everybody's interested, we might do a deep dive episode. Like we'll read the book and discuss it. But um, you generally start with, um, um, three different colored tokens. Generally, if you can get them, green, yellow, or no, yeah, green, yellow, red. Um, and it's kind of varying levels of success. Like green, you absolutely get what you want in that procedural scene. Uh, red um, is you get what you want, but... Um, 
but not really. Hmm. And then yellow is you get what you want at a at a slight cost. Mm. Like I said, I'm doing a very brief job of explaining this. It's a little bit more in, into it, mm-hmm. but it's it's definitely it's a it's a pretty cool system. Mm-hmm. It's um, awesome. yeah. Um, and 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 what I think a lot of these. What do we so this is kind of a question I've been thinking about knowing we're going to talk about this today. What's what's the appeal for day? And I'm not I'm not mm. I don't want people yeah. to think I'm attacking anything, but like for you all, what I know what the appeal is for me, and, and I'll talk about that in a second. But what's what's the appeal for you all for doing diceless games? Like pure what, un, pure unfettered storytelling. I love that, um, especially if it's a group of friends, people who you really know. Mm-hmm. Just pure unfettered storytelling. I, um, one of our friends who moved away uh, quite a long time ago, the, the person who used to be the main uh, GM for our Diceless Games, um, just came up with these incredible, amazing stories. I mean, the problem was that we were slotted into these incredible, amazing stories, mm-hmm. but. But it was still just wonderful to see them spin out and to be part of them spinning out. Um, you're actually reminding me somehow of another Diceless game that I own that we still haven't played, even though I've had it for a few years now, um, which is um, uh, Meg Baker's uh, Thousand and One Nights. Mm, yeah. Well, I've got I've got that one. Yeah, I, I, w- I kick-started the... Well, because I know Meg, I kickstarted the um, the second edition, and I got I kickstarted it at the highest level. So I have all the all. I, she sent me the beads. She sent me a little bowl to put the beads in, and everything like that. I have all this in a little box, and we still haven't actually taken a Friday night or a Saturday and played it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Okay, so next summer when we find our way up there. Mm-hmm. We have I like we... six thousand games we're planning on playing. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we still have to play Bubblegum Crisis. <laughs> we can watch some Bubblegum Crisis. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to play. There's an RPG, right? Wasn't Frame? Wasn't that what you were telling me? Yeah. Uh, it was an RPG. Yeah. Yeah. No, we should. We got to do that. I don't know if our voices are good enough. For it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah, come on. I, I get it. I get it, though. I get it. Yeah. yeah. But but at any rate, um, so, I mean, and that's the thing. It's also, in, in a perfect world, role-playing in general is collective story building. With dice, there's this randomized element to it. With diceless, it's more of a contract between the players and the DM, beca- or the GM, because you're agreeing that this, you know, that... You're agreeing that uh, the consequences make sense. You know, there's no randomized factor. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, my strength isn't that great. I couldn't lift that boulder, but it was nice. But it was good of me to try. And um, you know, there's no, you, there's not necessary unless it's dramatically appropriate, which of course is another big point. Um, there's not a, oh my god, I rolled a twenty. I can lift the boulder. Mm-hmm. Though my strength is eight. Um, and and it's I don't know. There's an aspect of it that's mm-hmm. it, if you take out the random factor, it's pure storytelling. It's pure mm. collaborative storytelling. I I think what I'd say is um, really diceless is kind of one end of a continuum, right? Mm. You know, the where at at one end you have well, let's just say shoots and ladders. You know, you have a game where everything you do, or Candyland, where everything you do is determined exclusively by rolling dice, and you there's no strategy and there's no real involvement um, by people. You literally are on a rail, you run from one end of the rail to the other based on random numbers, and the only thing it teaches you is how rules work. <clears throat> and then well, on the other end... That might not be the... That might not be the case with shoots and ladders historically as that wonderful video I sent 
Yes, that's for, well. No, yeah. no, but that's not talking about shoots and ladders, is it? It's right. talking about the original. We're 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 nerding about our nerding, which is kind of terrifying in and of itself. <laughs> oh my there's, god! <laughs> there is an amazing lecture on board game history by a curator um, of the British Museum, Irving Finkel. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an hour plus lecture. It I I w- had to do something very dull at my job, so I just sat and watched it on on uh, Thursday. And I emailed it out to a few friends, and it is yeah. brilliant. I have to, I have to remember to forward that to you, Liz. Yeah, you, you could, well, you can tweet it as a, as a comment to uh, when we get this podcast out, because yeah. yeah, I think, I think okay. everybody needs to see what the dictionary picture of, um, you know, of a, you know, a mad archaeologist looks like. Uh, he's, Not, he's. A, he, He's a wizard Arch- friend. Archaeologist, anthrop- <laughs> yeah, anthropologist. But yeah, he's, 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 an he's, he's a theriologist. I see. Well, in any case, he's a he's a marvelous lunatic. But yeah, the, <laughs> so my point that uh, somewhere back in the bushes we had, yes, there it was, um, is that on the one end you've got dice rolling, which lets you have what basically I think the purpose of dice is to divorce us a little bit from the consequences of our actions to make it easier to have bad outcomes without having bad feelings about them um you when when you're when when the dm basically sets you up against a difficult thing and says i'm going to roll all the dice in the open you know for a fact they're not killing you well okay unless it's cyberpunk you know for a fact that they're not killing you on purpose um Whereas in a purely dice diceless game, um, <laughs> if there are bad consequences, it's because in some ways the DM decided I'm not going to let you do that, or I'm going to make you pay a really heavy, steep price for doing that. Um, well, but that's where the mechanics of these mm-hmm. games come in, because mm-hmm. um, yeah. basically. That's why mechanics are important because mm-hmm. the DM, the GM can say, "You're not strong enough yeah. to do that," and mm-hmm. that is perfect. Yeah. So, so I'm sitting here thinking as we've been talking, and I and I wonder if there if there is a marriage between the two, and and, and I mm-hmm. and I've been thinking. Oh God, I, keep, yes. I keep finding myself thinking about um, Apocalypse World and Dungeon World mm-hmm. and all those world games I will, I will tell you that there is definitely a marriage between the mm-hmm. two and i will and you given that you brought up apocalypse world i will tell you where that marriage is mm-hmm. best expressed in a way that directly influenced apocalypse world mm-hmm. and that is Ars magica yeah yeah, yeah. Ars magica the work of mark reinhagen influenced um the bakers so much has i mean I, I as I told Liz a while back, I, I never played Ars Magica with them. Mm-hmm. We were going to play a game, and we spent like an af- oh god an afternoon or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent in their in their apartment making a character, take making characters, taking all this time, and then we never got around mm-hmm. to petting their rabbit, and we never got around to playing it. But Vincent and Meg loved that game, and it is, I mean, there are dice mechanics, and dice mechanics can be important, but the dice mechanics in Ars Magica, as I recall, are mostly for setting the situation. And the um, the interactions between the characters tended to not to be much less... Di- I mean, it's a, it's a similar thing in, in um, uh, Ryan Huggins' vampire game, in the original mm-hmm. World of Dark... Well, not World of Darkness, but the original mm-hmm. Vampire Masquerade, which mm-hmm. is why the masquerade lent itself to um live action role playing so easily um i i think larping has a direct connection to diceless games as well you know that's a good point i never thought of that before but i think you're absolutely right um but i'll be honest the the little bit of larping i've done has been boffer larp Mm -hmm. and that don't get me wrong that was a lot of fun but yeah I, I think I would like to try. Um, I, I would like to try War, uh, World of Darkness or, or Mind's Eye Theater, LARP. 
I think that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never done it because again, most of the time when, um, I was, uh, uh, exposed to it or in a place where I could be exposed to it, it was, um, highly pretentious and mm-hmm. I got very really turned off by that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's kind of been my problem with it is when I've seen it, it's like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I can take this seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, LARPing, obviously, you know, different things use different different uh, systems. But the important thing about it is, once again, it's entirely character-based. Um, there there can be dice, some kind of dice-rolling mechanic for resolving um, conflicts, but not always. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just, you know, your care- generally speaking in LARPs, the, the, the dice or that similar mechanic only comes out if there's going to be a problem. If people are like, you know, bad feelings or it's exactly what Fran is saying. It's the ability to um, it's the ability to have bad outcomes for someone with with no fewer hard feelings. I'm not gonna yeah. say no, but fewer hard feelings. Yeah. Um, I will say another area that I've found um, that I've found uh, Diceless to work really well is one on one gaming. Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how it started. Yeah, I've actually I've done a bunch of uh, uh, gaming. My wife and I both have uh, set again in uh, this this same fictional universe that we've been talking about, Phoenix Quest, um, where uh, <clears throat> where basically we wanted to do a side story or tell some other aspect of the characters, and there was nobody around, and so. You know, I'd, I'd pick up one of the characters and say, okay, this is where you find yourself. What do you do? Well, I blah, blah, blah. And it lets you do um, much more intimate and in-depth storytelling because you're basically tailoring everything to just one player. So you don't have to worry about, um, is everybody getting enough attention? Am I putting the focus in the right place? You can really, really narrow things down and make for an incredibly involving experience Mm -hmm. and in cases like that having the random element is actually disruptive because that turns into a very adversarial kind of thing of you know well i'm going to try to beat you and you're going to try to beat me as opposed to i'm going to tell a story and see what happens how your character sort of unfolds and responds to it and then you get to do your thing and then I get to figure out what happens to the world as a result. Which is, as I said, it's exactly how it started when, um, in back in 1982 or so, when, uh, my, uh, one of my friends introduced me to D and D, um, mm-hmm. we didn't use all the rules or all the dice or, I mean, I bought yep. the basic set and everything, but we, mm-hmm. we, we did what he called make it up as you go along dungeons mm-hmm. where I would just be the player and he would just run me through stuff. And as I, I think I mentioned before, there, there, by the end point, I had transformed into a rainbow dragon. Mm-hmm. And it's having adventure. It's like, you know, I, and I was very, very happy as a rainbow dragon. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, the signs were there years and years ago. I'm oh, yeah. Sam. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think diceless gaming, like I said, it's pure storytelling. It's role playing at its absolute purist where everything depends on what you decide you want to do and what the the person running the game decides can happen and i i should also say that that's not necessarily what everybody wants in a game and 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 it's really challenging you know like i can imagine running a diceless game at a con but it would be a real challenge to to um to without without really great mechanics to just plunk down in a room full of strangers and say okay here we go i feel like diceless gaming is more intimate mm-hmm. um you really need to know the people and trust the people you're you're playing with i would absolutely agree i can't imagine doing that at a con and i know people who can and honestly mm-hmm. power to them but i i couldn't do it mm. mm-hmm. like i don't think i could really even play with one at a con Mm-hmm. I think that would be I think for me that would be difficult. The the only way I could 
do it is if it was in a setting that I was extremely comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, if say it was like a diceless, God help us, a diceless Elric game or something. <laughs> like, I am extremely yeah. comfortable in this setting. I understand this setting. I understand what the consequences are. That kind of thing. But if it's just a mm-hmm. random, you know, whatever setting, then no, mm-hmm. I. Yeah, because it can feel very capricious if you're not careful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it can be very capricious if you're not careful. Well, that's you know? true too. But that's if if you if you trust the people that you're with, or if you are absolutely familiar with the setting, the capriciousness is under can be understandable and can mm-hmm. be built in and can be actually yeah. a good a, a good aspect of the game. I mean, another mm-hmm. we played a lot of homebrew games. Um, that were they had a dice mechanic but they were essentially um philosophically closer to diceless games mm-hmm. um does that make i mean am i am i making sense to you Fran? yeah i i think so yeah like like uh, a game we played um that was a homebrew called uh with homebrew vaguely based on cyberpunk stats uh called the kitty campaign where we were all mm-hmm. kids dealing with weird supernatural shit yeah. Well, as going down and trying to sneak cookies. Um, mm-hmm. And once again, that was so wide open and so wild that and it, it felt like anything could happen. Yeah. Um, but but it used dice to a certain extent. So, yeah, there is definitely very large crossover potential. Oh, yeah. Well, and I a game that I really wish I had gotten a chance to explore experiment more with um which again is uh a megan vincent production dogs, uh, in, the dogs vineyard. in the vineyard yeah yeah <laughs> where yeah there are dice and yeah there are consequences but um they're much more improvisational consequences um i, I see that as being very much a um a, a borderline game mm-hmm. i think i think it uses dice just in that it that it leans more heavily towards the simulation, mm-hmm. but it also prizes storytelling a lot. Like you can oh, absolutely. Some, you can add and subtract dice depending on mm-hmm. how good your storytelling is, how good your choice yeah. how whether you know, people can say, Wow, that's really cool, add a die. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I think I think that I, I, I think Apocalypse World is, is similar, uh, actually. But um I, I will say I have never played Apocalypse World. I know that's that's bad, but um, I've heard it's very good. I haven't played Apocalypse World or Kill Puppies for Satan, and I feel guilty about that. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I haven't played Kill Puppies for Satan either. Um, that was I, his breakout hit! I know, I know, I know. So, anyway, since we're talking about specific stuff, yeah, what are we shouting out to this week? Mm-hmm. What what have we been digging this week? Well, um, it showed up on Netflix on Friday, and I finished watching it um, a couple hours ago. I loved season three of The Good Place. Oh, yeah. Did oh, you my... cry? Did you cry at the point when you cry? Because um, I, I cried at the point when you cry. I didn't quite cry, mm-hmm. uh, but I can understand that, and... Wow. I mean, here's the thing about The Good Place. Every season mm-hmm. I have about, you know, it's a, it's like a 13 episode season, right? Um, about episode 10, I'm thinking to myself, how are they? Because in the first season, I didn't know there was going to be a second season. I thought it could be, you know, mm-hmm. the first thing. They're not going to get another season out of this. How are they going to organically come to a point where the story doesn't end? And you get to the end of the season and you're like, oh, my God, I got to find out what happens next. Mm-hmm. Organically, they came to a point that makes perfect sense where the show would go on and I need to know what happens. Um, and it's a brilliant it's just a brilliant piece of work. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I got to say it's philosophy without feeling um, without being philosophical. I don't know. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it, if you if you had told me, by the way, you're going to fall in love with a uh, with a situation comedy about moral philosophy, <laughs> I, I really would not have believed you. But it's that's that's really what it is. It's it's an extraordinary piece of comedic writing. And at the same time, it's also very directly educational about ethics and moral philosophy in ways that are that that you know i'll 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 get caught by it and i'll go oh my god they're teaching yeah they're teaching again holy crap yeah and it's not just philosophy it also gets into the na- nature of what is a person mm-hmm. uh, i mean i guess that's philosophy mm-hmm. but it's not about yeah. just moral philosophy it gets in the mm-hmm. nature of what is a person what is human yeah um mm-hmm. uh, uh you know i mean i don't have have you seen any of it list you know, I've seen the seasons one and two. I started watching season three, um, and I've watched up until the the bit where um, oh he was he was in Parks and Rec. Um, oh yeah 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 okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he he yeah. has shown up we wanna, and we don't want to go into yeah. go into spoilers for people that, who haven't seen it. But. That's a perfect because we know exactly what that is, and that is in no way a spoiler for anything. Yes, I will. I will will say that uh, I'm not going to tell you that it's necessarily a red herring, but I will say that um, if you keep watching, it's definitely not necessarily where the season goes. Okay, I you know honestly, like sometimes I have a hard I have a hard time when characters I know and love from a different series. Ah pop up so like and i was having a bad day when i was watching it if you got through him in the first season then you then you'll be fine in the third season yeah but what i was gonna say is there's a character um called uh janet and the exploration implications of that character are extraordinary I absolutely love, extraordinary for i love janet in, so much so many ways i mean what is a human being what is what is intelligence what are emotions what are what is gender even i mean she Mm -hmm. covers all of it but she does but but she does it in a way that it's not something that necessarily you think about while it's happening it's something that occurs to you it sinks in as you go. I just think it's it's a remarkable, remarkable piece of writing, and I am yep. absolutely amazed it has made it to four, to, well, to an upcoming fourth season on United States commercial television. Yeah, and I'm gonna die because it's gonna be another year before it gets to Netflix. <laughs> before it gets to Netflix, so also um, everybody, I, I um, oh god, I'm blocking on her name. Um, Oh my God! Um, what's the actress's name? Ah, uh, who plays Chiani? Uh, oh, um, from Mila? No, no. <laughs> from anyway, Mila is one of our state reps. Yep, yep. Uh, anyway, so um, I'm blocking on her name completely, which is terrible. And she is a huge, yeah, huge supporter of bodily autonomy and trans rights and wonderful things she has as she has lived an extraordinarily difficult life and i appreciate her so much in real life yeah she's just an enormously kind and thoroughgoing and um she she also recently got um attacked because she was reporting trans rights mm -hmm. yep yeah not I'm slow down. Jamila Jamil is who you're thinking That's of. That's it. Jamila Jamil. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's and yeah, so awesome. Yeah, she is she is a font of of light and warmth on Twitter and well worth <laughs> following there. Um and I have taken up way too much time with my shout out. I apologize. <laughs> well, um I'll uh <clears throat> I'll drop mine in then. Um it's another streaming series. It's an Amazon original called Carnival Row which um, I won't say very much about because it'll either hook you or it won't. But imagine if um, imagine if the uh, the allies and the 
enemies in World War One had fought their battles in the land of fairy. Ooh. It's go uh, on. it's uh <laughs> it's a really, really neat and complex thing. It does not take place on Earth, but it the the world is very, very, very strongly, clearly and intentionally an Earth analog. And they're just doing some really wild stuff with um, racism and refugee status and uh, identity and culture and um, and uh, the norms of society and everything. And it's uh, on top of all of the rest of that, it's beautifully, beautifully realized and shot. You know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking I was thinking it sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing why um, I saw mm-hmm. a behind the scenes thing about it before a movie. You know mm-hmm. how they show the stupid um, yep. funny mm-hmm. things before a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's all about it. All about with people on wires and things like that. And it looked mm-hmm. gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's cast with a couple of name name actors like, "Hi, I'm Orlando Bloom, and I'll be playing Orlando Bloom in this." Um, but then there, <laughs> it's it's loaded with all kinds of people that you'll go, oh, that guy was in uh, that thing, and he was great in that. Oh, God, I wonder if he's the villain in this. I hope he's not the villain in this. Oh, God, there's that other guy who was, uh, yeah. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's really excellent. It's just really, really neat and interesting and uh, has tremendous atmosphere. And I'm looking very much forward to seeing uh, where they go with the rest of it. So that's uh, that's Carnival Row, Carnival on... Row on Amazon Prime. Okay. Liz? Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that. I'm sorry. I promise I haven't gone anywhere. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> You've been no, busy. I, I... It's fair. No, I'll be honest. I am... Uh kind of a peek behind the curtain folks i am in a lot of pain today so uh i'm yeah. sorry if i haven't been all together here i've i've got i've got a shout out for liz uh which is doggies true uh we are getting one but actually i do have a shout out um, okay it's a book that jess and i it's an audio book but there's a, of course a dead tree version too uh that jess and i listened to on our trip to michigan called uh the long way to a small angry planet uh by becky chambers i i think it just won a hugo oh okay um but anyway i i got it got recommended to me at a camp by a librarian Hmm. um and i've been meaning to read it forever and i thought i thought the title fit what we were doing (laughs) um and uh it's it's been it was described to me as Firefly meets Mass Effect. Wow. Okay, I'll stay far away then. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's it's really it's it's like the best parts of both. It's it's these very close personal stories that take place in this much larger larger fascinating universe. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. there's very little conflict. It's really just these vignettes of this crew of, on a starship on their of their lives. Uh, and there's absolutely queer romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, queer lizard alien and human romance. So <laughs> for all my scale for all our scaly listeners, get on this. So it sounds a lot like um van vote on acid um <laughs> it's it's i'm not doing it justice it's really good um there were bits that made it was really there were bits that made me cry okay they were just so touching and sweet hopefully not while you were driving no 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 uh it's it's really good uh i don't want to say too much because i don't want to ruin it but it's if you're looking for science fiction that's more personal and less shooty uh i recommend this it's it's really touching and it's definitely queer see that 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 might have sold me um the 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 other bit i don't know about but but speaking of the hugos i want to give a gigantic shout Mm. out to the amazing achievement of jeanette ang because the john w campbell award has been renamed 
to the Astounding Science Fiction Award because she finally said what no one – I mean, it's, you know, it's been an open secret, but no one had had the courage to say it. She got up on that stage and called John Campbell out as the crazy fascist he was, and he did amazing work in science mm-hmm. fiction. I mean, he opened science fiction up from the pulp from its pulp beginnings to being a more mature thing, and then he strangled it um, to a, to a certain extent um, because uh, Astounding just started becoming more incestuous and needing to fit into his worldview thank god there were people like fred Poole out there who had uh different uh you know with mm-hmm. galaxy magazine and all that but and he was a crazy conservative like not even a conservative he was a, an authoritarian um and she finally got up and she's she won the john john campbell new uh new writer award and she finally said the man was a fascist and people finally started talking about it. Yeah. And to the people, the, the people who administered from astounding science fiction, which is analog now, um, who administer the award declared they were going to rename the award because they recognized that John Campbell's time has long passed. And I think that is a tremendous achievement uh, for a woman in science fiction, given that 30 years ago, she probably wouldn't have been allowed on the stage as a non-white woman. And I got to agree. And so, I, I mean, that's an extra shout out for me, if that's OK. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, it's not, you know, I mean, she's not trans. She's not anything like that. She's a cis woman. But I admire the hell out of that. And I haven't read her work yet which is bad i need to read some of it but uh yeah no i i I will i will tell i forget who i said this to um but it was someone who was uh complaining about straight pride this weekend oh Oh, god and 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 they they made a really funny comment about it and i was like as a duly appointed uh representative of the gay agenda i dubbed (laughs) the honorary gay (laughs) <laughs> so uh i have granted myself that authority yep yeah I, I i i will uh, but can, can i can i give away the secret can i give away the secret of, uh, of the trans agenda on this podcast Go my for it. i'd leave love us, to know it leave us the hell alone <laughs> <laughs> let us live our lives let us pee in peace that's oh, actually, the that... agenda so so this is kind of funny. Um, I had a moment. Um, Jess and I, we had gone out to breakfast yesterday, and then we had gone to the dog event, and then we were going to go buy groceries. So we're going, we're, so we're going to go buy groceries, and of course, I had drunk way too much at the thing, had to pee, and uh, go to the. So I'm going to the bathroom at Wegmans, and I go in the bathroom, do my thing, come out, uh, washing my hands, and this woman says, "Excuse me." And like my heart stopped, and I was like, "Oh God, mm. I don't need this today." Uh, and she's like, "Oh no," uh, I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Do you see paper towels or a hand dryer anywhere?" <laughs> I was looking around, and we both kind of laughed, like, "Oh, there's no hand dryer or paper towels in here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. uh, exactly. that was that was an interesting moment. <laughs> exactly. Yep. That- the way it's supposed to work as but, uh, i yeah it's it's a wonderful feeling as you as you're going through your transition and you get to that point where you're like they're just nervous because they don't want to upset me not because they find me horrifying and disgusting <laughs> yeah i find me horrifying and disgusting enough for everyone oh big move big move <laughs> but um but anyway folks thanks for listening tonight uh really appreciate I uh, hope you learned some stuff. Hope you got some stuff you want to check out. And hey, if you have any questions or comments or you want to tell us how we were right or wrong, um, you can contact us on the Facebook at at, at, at t- Tabletop Transmissions on our page. You can contact us on Twitter, which we'll go through in a minute. 
um, we would still absolutely love to have comments or questions or things we can address on the air, as it were. Yeah, I know, I know a lot of you. Uh, a lot of you follow us on Twitter, and it's really, it's really, uh, it's really great. Thanks. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so I am on Twitter at Tip Transformed, and I'm on there as at Ronald Valor. Uh, I'm on there at little underscore Lizzie twenty two. And where are we on Twitter? Oh, we are. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, like I said, guys, it's been a long week. Uh, <laughs> we are, we are, uh, tabletop transmissions on Twitter. Now we are at T R A N S M I S T I O N S. Remember that's because I spelled it wrong. <laughs> but we're, but, 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 but we're professionals. We yeah. are professionals. Yep. That's yeah. why and, I'm not. As I said, sorry. We do, we <laughs> do one said, take. <laughs> no. As I said on Facebook, we are um, our page is Tabletop Transmissions, and we can be found on iTunes and Podbean. And even if you don't want to comment, if you listen to us on iTunes, we would surely appreciate, you know, stars um, because that helps us in their algorithm. All hail the mighty algorithm! Hail it! Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you if you if you want to give us salt, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> just... I, I, I just, I just got off the Spyro, so hopefully that will be. Become... <laughs> oh my god, I gotta, I seriously, we, I just keep thinking about popcorn. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta go get some. <laughs> All right, well, you I've got get a, pop- I've got a, my shaker of salt on the desk. <laughs> God, I got yelled at at by my wife because I was doing that, so I I stopped um, (laughs) while she was looking. Um, uh, Yeah. All right, folks. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a great week, folks. We'll we'll catch you all next week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, bye, everybody. Bye, folks.